Welcome to season one of the Below the Belt podcast with me, Lex, where we entertain through enlightenment and transparency. I'm so happy that you're tuned in. Let's not even waste any time. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Below the Belt podcast. We're just going to go ahead and jump straight in, y'all. This episode is a kind of heavy. You know what? It's not even kind of heavy. It is heavy. It's a heavy episode. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. Okay? I, de- I was debating on if I was going to share this, but... The name of this podcast is Below the Belt, where we are transparent and we speak about the things that, you know, everybody normally does not want to touch on. So I'm going to tell it, y'all, this is like my, this is my fourth time trying to record this episode. The first three times I got to about 20 minutes and I just had to stop because this episode is about the passing of my dad. And before I even begin, this episode could be a bit triggering for some. And I know the name of this podcast is Below the Belt Podcast. However, that doesn't mean that I am trying to throw all your issues, all your flaws, all your mistakes in your face and just rub them in your face. That's not what the intent of this is. The intent of this podcast is to discuss things And just, you know, hopefully I can bring a different perspective to something that you may be dealing with that I've already gone through. And, you know, I was debating on doing this episode, especially after I tried to record this three times and it just was not working out because grief is so complex that, you know, it's it's kind of hard. It's, It's a hard topic to discuss, especially when you've been through it and and it kind of took you and it kind of took you through the wire (laughs) you know you it's hard to talk about well for me it was really hard for me to talk about it was just so many points that I was trying to cover and I was just getting lost in it and I was getting triggered and but another point of this podcast was so I could use my pain for purpose and that's what the intent is And so I want to make sure I say that this episode could be a bit triggering for some who are experiencing grief, the highs and the lows, the, you know, different waves of emotions. Grief is so tricky. It doesn't matter if you lost a person six years ago, if that person was very significant to you and was, you know, a huge part of your life, small things could just trigger you eight years from, you know, the the time that you lost this person. So and a lot of what I may say might bring up emotions within you. I know when I was trying to do it, you know, record this episode the first three times, it was triggering for me because this episode is forcing me to go back to a place that I want to forget. Um, I was severely depressed I was severely depressed. I started to see people differently. I started to see the changes that depression was, you know, causing on me. I I started to see the changes that depression had on me. Like, you know, the the effect that depression had on me. I was able to, you know, and, and long story short, just this episode and talking about all of these things is making me go back to that. But when I was mapping out this episode, I just caught myself having to take several breaks and I was procrastinating y'all. And I just was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Maybe, you know, and, and we're transparent here, as I always say, especially, you know, when I kept struggling the first three times, I was just like, you know, maybe this isn't for me. Like <laughs> maybe I'm trying to bite off more than I could chew. Like, you know, maybe I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that. But I had to tell myself, this is your second episode. Extend some grace on yourself. Not only is this your second episode, but this episode is very touchy for you, Alexis. It was me talking to myself. And it was like 3 a.m. Because I was just so in my head. And uh, that also just goes back to what I was talking about in the last episode. Hopefully, you guys have had a chance to listen to that one. 
But I was speaking about how just because you see me starting, that doesn't actually mean that I don't still feel inadequate. And I had those, you know, I was in my head so hard because I was struggling to get through the episode, but I had to redirect those negative thoughts. And I had to make sure I identified those negative thoughts as lies. And so once I did that, it kind of helped me push through. And so this this episode, y'all, y'all gonna get it how it how it is. All right. I'm not recording out another second episode on grief because I'm getting this over with. All right. I'm not about to do it. And hopefully I don't cuss. <laughs> but grief, I didn't really have a face-to-face interaction with grief until uh when was it like 2019 when I lost my great-grandmother who was my nana who was very significant in my life and when I lost my grandfather who was also a very significant person in my life and so when I lost both of them and I lost them like with a month apart and I had some other things going on too all within that time that was the first time that grief ever came like really knocking on my door for real and now that I've lost my dad I can kind of see how my great-grandmother and my grandfather's deaths affected me, but I think I was able to still kind of just go on with my life. It didn't really stop me in my tracks as much as losing my dad did, and I actually had stronger relationships with them than I did my dad at the time that he passed away, and that's another reason why this episode could be triggering for others and why it was also triggering for me because I found myself getting caught up in trying to explain me and my dad's relationship because I just, you know, I feel like it plays a huge part in some of the issues that I had throughout my grieving. And, you know, just to put it out there, <laughs> you know, just, just the truth. It's my truth, at least. Uh, me and my dad didn't have the best relationship. And when he passed away, that was something that I I dealt with a lot of resentment, you know, and it's hard to resent a person that ain't here no more. You know, it's it's hard to have animosity with a person that ain't here no more, you know. And so my dad was active in my life. My parents were, you know, never married, but my they co-parented very well, you know. So I'm not a person who believe who feels like you know, if it don't work, it don't work. You know what I mean? Like, don't <laughs> I'm not a person who was ever ashamed that my parents were never married. It worked out. It worked out for the three of us, you know, so I was blessed to have that. Our, You know, everyone got along, both sides of the family. You know, it was, I had a great childhood. I had a great life. You know, I of course I had things happen, but, you know, my dad not being, my dad and my mom not being together never interfered with the quality of life that I had. You know, and if it did, then I didn't know. I lived a great life. So he was present when I was younger, but as I got older, Things kind of changed within our relationship. My dad was was an entrepreneur. And I think that anybody that knows anyone that is an entrepreneur knows that um, a lot of sacrifices come with being an entrepreneur. And most of the time, that sacrifice ends up being time. That person ends up sacrificing a lot of time with family and friends. And they miss a lot of things. And You know, it's not that they don't want to be there, but it's that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're building something from the ground up, that connection that you have to that business, you know, to your creation is is really strong. You know, it. my dad used to always call his business his brainchild. And so, you know, I used to always think that that was hilarious until I had my own business. And when I had my own business, I understood, you know, because... It was mine. It was something that I created from the ground up. So make sure I said that, like, you know, a lot of a lot of time was sacrificed. And with that, you know, me and my dad's personality is kind of the same. And so, you know, my dad was the type of person where if he told you the sky was red and we all know the sky is blue and we all looking at the same sky and it's blue, it, the sky is red. <laughs> like he said what he said. Like that was the type of person that he was. And he was a very passionate person. And I've never seen a work ethic like my dad. He was one of those people that it, it's, 
I can't even put it into words. It's hard to even explain, you know, his the type of work ethic he had and just to be able to be front and center. A lot of people are not blessed to be able to be front and center and see that type of work be done. You know, like I, my dad had, he, he was in the restaurant industry and he had several different restaurants before he settled with chicken. My dad had a wing restaurant and that is the restaurant that, you know, took off and did really well. And prior to that, he had soul food restaurants. He had food trucks. He, you know, he did all, he, he just did it all. And he was in the, he's, he was an entrepreneur for over 20 years, most of my life. And so my dad ended up going to New Orleans and he had a, a location in the French Quarter, which if you know New Orleans, then you know a, a location in the French Quarter. Oh, you made it. You made it. This the one. This the location right here. This going to be the one to do it, you know, and he was so excited and, you know, he would call me all the time, you know, just excited, just talking about it. And he'd actually book me a flight so that I could come out there and see it. But I never got the opportunity to share that moment with him. I could tell he felt accomplished. My dad worked so hard and his grand opening was like earlier in the week and he passed away within the same week of his grand opening. He was killed he was shot in the head. We don't know who did it. Um, there, you know, we had a detective on the case, but you also have to understand that this is New Orleans. And I believe Louisiana is, I think, maybe like the top three. Uh, the top, I think it's like in the top three of the states with the highest murder rate. So there you have it. Um, I can just tell y'all very briefly, I'm not diving into this, but just from my interaction from when I first got the phone call from the hospital, when it first happened to my interaction with the detectives and the police officers and just, it was just very like their attitude was, this is a norm for us and your life is turned upside down, but I'm just on the clock and I'm just trying to answer your question and whatever else you need. So Justice has not been served um, in that sense. When you when you speak of like identifying who did it and that person being served a sentence and being that has not happened. And to be quite frank and to be quite honest, it may never happen. And I've come to peace with that. Honestly, I came to peace when it first happened with that it was never something that I was honestly that worried about. But uh, this I, I just wanted to kind of run through that. And I, I apologize, y'all, if that if everything I just said sounded very choppy and kind of all over the place, it's it's just so much, you know. And like I said before, this is why I was struggling the first few times to record this episode because it was just, it was just so much, you know. It's just so much that I feel I have to say before I can even dive into what the episode is actually even about, which is about grief. Like it's just about grief, period. And my experience with grief and. Just to let somebody out there know that they are not alone. You are not crazy. I've been there. And so that's what this episode is supposed to be about. But to even dive into that, I just felt like I had to say everything that I said before about my dad. Because like I've already said, it it really ties into a lot of my experiences and lessons that I had to learn going through grief. Because one of those things I can tell you is that one of the hard realizations that I had to come to when it comes to grief is that... When I lost my dad, I, I felt like I really just kind of lost my handle on things. I like for things to be the way that I need them to be, or I can't function. I cannot function in chaos. <laughs> my my grieving was chaotic, okay? When everything first happened, when I when he when he first passed away, like you know, during that time, it was chaotic. My life was chaotic. My life is still chaotic from a lot of the choices that I made during that time. And so, you know, right now I'm as I as we speak <laughs> what they say right now, even as I'm doing this podcast, I'm still cleaning up a lot of the BS that I, you know, went through during that time. A lot of the choices that I made. And so 
one of the hard truths that I had to realize was, you know what? I have a lot of people in my life that I love that are still living. And a hard truth is that I'm going to have to experience loss again and again and again. And that's if they don't experience that loss with me, you know, before I'm able to experience it with them. Like my dad's loss kind of knocked me off of my feet. Not even kind of. It definitely knocked me off of my feet. But it was just a, a moment for me where I realized I'm going to have to experience this again. My mother is still living. My granny is still living. Like I still have people in my life who, I mean, I hold very near and dear to my heart. And one day I'm going to have to see those people leave this earth. So when I thought about that, that kind of made me snap out of it a little bit because I just had to realize that I had to get up, you know, and one of those, one of the things about when you're down and you're dealing with depression, absolutely nothing can make you get up, but you, no one, nothing, and no one is coming to save you. No one. It doesn't matter how many people you have in your life that try to push you and try to motivate you and speak life into you. If you're not in a place where you are able to receive it and put action behind what they're saying, you know, it won't work. I didn't come to a point where I was able, where I felt like I was really able to fight for real. And, and you know, it, that, that whole thing about people telling you to fight is interesting because when you're grieving, the depression that comes along with grief, when you're dealing with that, that fight is different. And it will look different every single day. And the only thing that you need to do is see the next day. That's all you need to make sure you're able to do. Initially, when he first passed away, my issue was I wasn't leaving the bed. The bed was my safe space. I felt like there's nothing really very deep and profound to even say about that. I was... I did not want to get out of the bed. I didn't have the energy. And even though the day before I may have been in the bed all day, the next day I, st I don't have the energy because I'm in my head. And a lot of my energy is going towards my thoughts and just trying to make it to the next day because it, that's how hard it was on me at that time. And I feel like a lot of people who are grieving, you have people around you who are pushing you and telling you, you need to fight. You're not fighting. You're not fighting. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And most of the time, you know, it, those people, they do love you. They love you. And that's why they are saying those things to you. And I had an issue with that. I felt like a lot of the people in my life were not giving me the space to grieve when in, in actuality, they were, they were just pushing me. They were trying to push me. They wanted me to fight. But even with that, you know, you still have to fight and give each day the best that you can give it. Your 100% might look like laying in the bed all day. And you are dealing with something that is putting you in a place where you are not able. And it has nothing to do with feeling sorry for yourself. It has nothing to do with any of that. You know, you have to try to just make it to the next day. And every day that will look different. And for me, like I said, most of the time I was in the bed. I was depressed. It was it was bad. And the crazy thing about it is, is that on the outside, I think a lot of people would have said that they had no idea that I was dealing with a lot of the things that I was dealing with. But on the inside, I was suffering. I was suffering because I would be depressed and feel sad, but I would still get up and, and go to work. At this point, you know, when my dad passed, I stopped teaching, which wasn't a good decision. It, it wasn't well thought out. I stopped teaching and I decided that I wanted to just do my business full time. And... My thought process at that time was, look, I just saw my dad work super hard for 20 plus years for something. 
And then five days after he finally gets to see the fruit of his labor, he dies? How am I supposed to make sense of that? You know? And so my logic at the time was, look, I'm going to do what makes me happy because this life is way too short. And I don't want to spend out a second doing anything that I don't want to do. And so that was my logic at the time. I quit my job and I'm, I'm working full time, a full time entrepreneur. And so I was getting up and I was doing that and I was getting up and I was putting on clothes and I was still looking presentable and I was, you know, still laughing and smiling and joking. And, you know, parts of me were still the same on the outside and how I interacted with some people. And I think they would see that. And then kind of, I guess, you know, maybe people felt like I was okay. And I wasn't. I wasn't at all. I wasn't okay at all. And I feel like I was raised around a lot of women who are very stoic. Um, Emotion is not a thing that those women show, okay? And so I kind of have taken on a lot of those same characteristics. And so... When uh, I think a lot of people, I don't think I know, like, for instance, my friends, a few of my friends, you know, have never seen me be emotional. So I think during this time, not even just with my friends, but just during this time, just seeing me like that was hard for a lot of people, especially my family, especially my mom and my grandmother. And so it just it was just always this back and forth between me and them. On me feeling like y'all aren't giving me the space to feel what I need to feel. Y'all aren't giving me the space to grieve the way I need to grieve. But what I had to realize is because it, it felt so exhausting, right? Every every two to three freaking business days, I'm sitting here explaining to you. Now, I'm I'm trying to process losing a parent, right? I'm 25 years old. Life was going really good. And all of a sudden, it's like, boom. I'm completely knocked off my feet. I'm lost. I have no idea what's going on, you know, and I'm trying to process that, right? I'm trying to move forward with my life after such a, you know, drastic and traumatic thing has happened to not just me, but I'm also seeing how this has affected my grandmother and how this has affected my uncle and, you know, my my other grandmother and, you know, my dad had a few siblings and so my dad has a few siblings And so I just, you know, I'm I'm trying to process all of this, but then at the same time, I'm sitting here trying to also explain what I'm feeling to people because I'm almost begging you to just show me some grace, like just, you know, show me a little empathy, try to understand, you know, and the hard part about that was, is that, you know, my mom has never lost a parent. Both of my mom's parents are still living. My mom is 50. I'm I'm 25 at the time going through something she has never experienced and she's twice my age. You know what I mean? And so I'm 25 years old, young, still trying to discover myself and something like this has happened and I'm trying to explain to her. And, and so it just always was, it was just always this back and forth all the time and it was so exhausting and just also with my grandmother and you know my grandmother's thing was you know my grandmother's a very strong woman and my grandmother's whole thing was you know well I lost I lost the son I lost the son and I and I'm still pushing and I'm you see me still pushing so why are you you know why are you feeling it and going through it the way that you're going through it? why does your grief look like that like why do you feel like you're entitled to grieve in that way when I lost my child and I got to keep doing X, Y, Z. And you think you just get to stop. You think life just, you know. And so that was a really difficult time, (laughs) y'all. That was a really difficult time because I was walking in uncharted territory. I had no idea how to navigate the space that life had put me in. I was forced there. I would have never asked for that. I was... Y'all, it was so bad that there were times where 
if I was, you know, if I was dating a guy, I wouldn't tell him that my dad had passed because I felt like, oh, he might try to play with me if he feels or if he knows that I'm out here unprotected, that I don't have that fatherly figure protecting me, you know, or I would meet new people. Um, I had a friend at my my job where I didn't I didn't tell her that my dad passed. That was something that, you know, I just I did not discuss because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that something had happened, something like that had happened to me. And I know that it sounds crazy, but I'm speaking to somebody out there or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not. But I it maybe embarrassed is not the word. But right now in my journey, that's as far as I can go with that. That's how I felt. And maybe further down the line, a few months from now, or maybe a few years, God will reveal to me that it was an embarrassment that I felt, but it was something else. But right now it felt embarrassing. I just, I couldn't believe, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, this type of thing is not supposed to happen to me. This type of thing is not supposed to happen to my family. You know, it was just crazy, you know? And so I was struggling with that with my, with my family and I was in a relationship at the time that was also suffering and my friendships were suffering because I believe, you know, the di- the way that grief changes the, the dynamic of your relationships is so interesting to me because on one hand, I had friends who I feel are not supporting me enough, right? I felt like I'm not getting the support that I feel I should be getting after I just lost a parent. I'm over here losing my mind and I'm not getting what I need, you know? And so on the other hand, it was, well, how do they know what you need? I, y'all, now, okay, the the... Issues that I started to have with the relationships in my life, I had to go to therapy about. That's how much it bothered me, y'all. I had to go to therapy and speak to my therapist about that. We talked about that often at that time, like just how disappointed and how hurt my feelings were drastically hurt because I just felt like I wasn't, you know, I felt like they didn't care enough. And my therapist said to me, well, you know, how do you expect them to know what you feel if you don't tell them? And my mom has said something like that to me as well. She, you know, she was like, well, you know, how do you think we feel? Which to me, y'all, is selfish. It is. And I still struggle with it. I'm just being honest with y'all. And I know somebody out there understands what I'm saying. It it felt very selfish for someone to want me to explain what I needed. I felt like nobody in my life could understand what I was experiencing. None of my friends have ever lost a parent. My mom has never lost a parent. My grandmother, of course, she's lost her parents, but she lost her parents when she was like in her 60s. And here I am just feeling like no one cares, which wasn't true, by the way. Now, what I will say is the enemy wants you isolated. The enemy wants you to focus on everything that the people around you may be doing wrong. The, you know, the enemy wants you to do that. And I'm here to tell you that if, if you spend your time focusing on every little thing that everybody does, that might be right or wrong, you will drive yourself insane. You will drive yourself insane. And the enemy wants you that way. He wants you to feel like no one loves you. He wants you to feel like no one cares. He wants you to keep on focusing on the fact that nobody nobody has experienced what you're experiencing. So, you know, he wants you to feel like because they don't know, because they don't know exactly what you feel, they can't be there for you. So don't even reach out. He wants you to feel like you're on your own. I had to pray long and hard about that. And when God revealed to me that that was not true, my relationships, you know, 
thank God my friendships survived because I was ready to cut a lot of people off. I was ready to end a lot of friendships, like 10 plus year friendships. Like I was ready to let it go because I felt like there is no way these people love me and care for me and they haven't done X, Y, Z. That was that was that was something really hard for me to deal with. And sometimes, you know, if I'm being honest, I still struggle with it. I still struggle with being able to tell someone exactly what I need from them. I was in a relationship at the time that all of this was happening. And I will say that I think he was the only person who was front row and center for a lot of the, the chaos. And just, you know, seeing all the changes in me. And I think at this time, I feel the only person who truly had my back and the only person that I could really lean on 110% was my cousin Kenya. I would look at everybody else in my life and compare their support to the support that she was giving me, which was very unfair to the other people in my life. But that that's where my head was at at the time. And so I began to like hold these grudges with, you know, my family and my friends. And, it, you know, they're just very unhealthy, very unhealthy because the whole time, you know, you're sitting up here upset with these people. And one, they don't know you upset. Two, you didn't help them to expectations that they didn't even know they were being held to. Three, you know, look, don't let like this little one moment be a testament of their love for you and their compassion for you. Because another thing, you know, going back to the enemy telling you all of these lies, I feel like you have to one, know yourself and you have to two, know these people for who they were before this traumatic, you know, moment came into your life. And I hope I'm making sense when I say that, because what I mean by that is I had to know myself. Okay. I had to be honest with myself. I'm I'm a stubborn person. I'm a stubborn gal. Okay. I'm stubborn and I'm very headstrong. And I guess that's the same thing as being stubborn. I had to understand that, okay, that is something that I struggle with. But on the flip side, these, you know, people that I have in my life have always been there for me if I was going through something. You know, they never, they, they're not bad people. They're not bad friends. Their intentions have never been to hurt me. So why would that change? Especially when they know I'm going through what I'm going through. Why would that now change? So you just, you know, you have to break down the lies that the enemy is telling you. Because if not, you're going to catch yourself stressing and worrying about stuff when you already dealing with a lot. You you know, you have no business trying to put all of that extra stuff on your plate when you already trying to relearn yourself. Because I promise you, whoever you were before you lost that person, whoever you were before you lost them, you will never be that person again. You are completely different from the moment you find out that you lost that person. You are completely different. And I will say that my grief, my grief started, I don't think when I got the phone call. I don't think my grief started at the funeral. I was hurt. I was in pain, but I was on the go. I was on the go for a whole month after my dad passed. And it, it was just so much. You know, I'm my only child. I'm 25 years old. My dad, you know, it was a sudden traumatic death. I'm the first person of contact. You know, my grandmother handled a lot of things, you know, involving the funeral. But for most of the stuff, you know, I had to make the decision on what to do with his body. I had to sign the paperwork on that. I'm the one speaking to the detectives. I'm the one going back and forth, back and forth to New Orleans and cleaning out his home with my family. Like, that's me that's doing that. You know, I, I don't have no siblings that's helping me carry this weight and helping me carry this pain. It's just me. So during this time, I'm moving, I'm going, I'm moving, and I'm moving, and I'm moving. My phone is always ringing, and I'm always trying. I'm always doing something. I'm always needed somewhere. And so when I got home after, you know, the smoke cleared, and I got home, and it got real quiet, and life started to pretty much get back to its normal routine, that's when my grief started. Because now I'm with my thoughts. Now it's quiet. I don't have nothing to distract me. So that's when depression really hit me. Even like with all of the support and all the love that I 
that I had and that I still have because grieving never ends. Even with all of this love and all of the support around me, I still was lonely. Grief is not talked about enough and grief looks different for everybody. I know people who have lost whole families, like their whole immediate family in some traumatic accident and they still go to work the next day. You know, like I I know people who have lost parents and their life went completely down a really rough path and now they're struggling with drugs and alcohol. I've seen grief do different things to different people. It didn't matter what someone else had experienced that even may have been similar to my experience, you still feel lonely. You feel lonely. And I want to let you know that that is a lie. You are not lonely. And, and you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of support. You know, going back to what I said about your friends and knowing your friends for who they are, knowing their heart and knowing that, you know, this is not just something different for you. It's something different for them. And they're hurting seeing you like this because the people you love don't want to see you in pain. So, you know, just knocking down those lies that the enemy are telling you and focusing on the truth. The enemy wants you to feel like you are lonely. The enemy wants you to believe that that loneliness is actually a thing for a child of God. And a lot of people don't have all of this support. You know the difference. You know what I mean? And what I will say for those of you that did have close friends when you were going through something and you heard nothing from them and you truly weren't getting anything from them and it wasn't a matter of let's meet each other halfway or, you know, it wasn't a matter of you being in the wrong or anything like that and they truly were not being good people to you, I am sorry. I know that that hurt. I know that hurts. Because just the mere thought of my friends and my family not understanding me hurt me to the core. I think, you know, as time went on, I started to have more of an issue with the people in my life than I did losing my dad. So support is... Such a necessary thing. And what I would say in times like that, you have God. That almost makes me so emotional because I knew God before. But the woman that I am today, (laughs) God has been so good to me through this process. I could have, my life could have went a completely different way and it almost did. But because of God's love for me, And because I decided to lean on that truth and not on the lies that the enemy told me, I'm here today to turn my pain into purpose and try my best with this episode. I'm trying my best with this episode. Honestly, I'm not going to cap. It feels like I'm all over the place and I want to stop this episode, but I'm not. And I'm going to keep going. I just just wanted to make sure I stated that you are not alone. You are not alone. And that also leads me to therapy. Now, therapy is not a cheap resource. Unfortunately, it's not. I see that changing in the in the future, though. But therapy is unfortunately not a cheap resource. And I get that. But if you are able. Right. And, and even I, I, I believe I know a few times, like if, if I'm in deep thought about something and I want a better perspective, or I want a perspective that's actually going to help me and push me forward. And I don't want to perspective. You know, I don't want to keep thinking the way I'm thinking. I'll just search something on YouTube. You know, and and I'll listen to the perspective of someone who, you know, can enlighten me on a different way of seeing things, seeing the, you know, the situation that I'm going through, the tough situation I'm going through. So, you know, if you don't have therapy, I I promise you there are there are resources, there are ways to get what you need. I pray that, you know, that perspective is given to you and that whatever you are supposed to have to help get you through your tough time, that you find that. But you also have to seek that, I you know. I felt like my way of thinking and my way of operating and the way I handled my grief at this time did not help me at all. And that's so hard for me to say because I feel like at the same time, I did the best that I could. I think that's the misconception sometimes with depression is that some people can see how depression is handling you or how you're handling depression and they'll label you like I said before they'll say you're not fighting you're being lazy you're not trying and I think that's what's so difficult about the you know grief not being discussed enough because it's something that we'll all have to experience 
And you don't know when you're going to have to experience it. So it used to blow my mind when I would feel like I wasn't getting what I needed from people because, you know, and it also used to blow my mind when people, I used to feel like it was an excuse for people to say, you know, well, they've never experienced what I've experienced because I I just felt like, well, I mean, you don't have to lose a parent to know that it hurts to lose a parent. I used to be able to just look at my mama when I was younger and I was just you know, just start boohoo crying just at the thought of actually losing her, you know? And so I used to just feel like that was a cop out from actually having to do the work. And I do still feel like that. I'm not even gonna hold you. You know what? Let me speak to the people real quick that are in relationship with someone who is grieving and it's kicking their butt. The grief is kicking their butt and you don't know how to support them. You don't know how to give them what they need. I encourage you. And when I say in relationship, I mean romantic, family, friend, coworker. I don't care. I encourage you to push yourself to show empathy. I encourage you to be for that person what you would want for yourself. I encourage you to push yourself and actually love on this person and have those uncomfortable conversations with that person and meet that person where they are because everybody is not a you know a person where they want you to be in their face and you know everybody is not that type of person some people just want you to remember important dates some people just want you to reach out on the day that that person in their life passed and check on them some people, I know for me, Father's Day is tricky. And, and I had to stop. I had to stop keeping score. I would keep score. I would keep score. Oh, you're not going to reach out to me on Father's Day? Bet. You don't love me for real. It sounds dramatic, but to the people that I'm speaking to right now, who, are, who know someone, you know, you don't know how to deal with someone. You don't know how to engage with someone who is experiencing grief. That is how that person could possibly feel because it's like that. It's at that point with them. It's at that point with them. That person is at their lowest. And especially if they, if this is their first time experiencing something like this, that person is learning how to navigate that space and they're going to fall down. They're going to make a lot of mistakes. For me, I didn't know, like I said before, I didn't, I didn't know how to navigate that. I never lost a parent. And then at the time that me and my dad, you know, at the time he passed, we had just started talking again after not talking for three years. We had just started talking earlier the, that year. He passed away like five months later. I didn't know how to deal with that. So I fell down several times. I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't know how to, I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know how to ask for what I needed. And what I, and what I wanted was, I wanted the people in my life to understand that. I wanted the people in my life to, I was already tired enough. And I wanted the people in my life to understand that. And so for those of you, the people I'm talking to, I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody is not a person where they want you all up in their face. Like I said, some people just want you to remember those important dates. Some people want you to, you know, get them something special. Like I'm a, I'm a memory hoarder. Okay. I love things that hold memory. I love things that hold value. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be an expensive gift for me. I'm a thoughtful person. And so I love when people love on me in thoughtful ways. So everybody is different. So I think the only thing that you should want that person to do, if you go and you ask, you know, just ask your person, what do you need from me during this time? What could I be doing better? And open up a space for that person to tell you whatever they have to tell you. And if that person tells you, I don't know, then you don't just do nothing. <laughs> don't just do nothing. My cousin Kenya, this, this is what stood out to me about her during that time. She didn't understand what I was going through. And most of the time, I didn't want to talk to her either. It was, it was selfless with her. Everything that she would do, in some way, it was always exactly what I needed at that time. She would always just meet me halfway. Because it, if we did have a conversation of, you know, well, Lex, what, what can I do? What do you need from me? 
And she also knew me in, in certain ways. One thing about me, y'all, I hate for somebody to think they know me. <laughs> when I tell y'all that is one of my pet peeves, like that, like you thinking you know me will piss me off. Literally, you will piss me off if you start talking to me and acting like you know me. So in certain ways, she did know me, you know? And so I admired that. She cared about me enough and she she put so much thought and so much action into her love for me because love is an action. Love is a verb. So I also feel like a lot of the people in my family felt like, or a lot of family and maybe friends, I don't know. I, I doubt they felt this way, but I know my, a few of my family members did. I think a lot of them felt that I didn't necessarily have a reason to feel feel sadness on certain holidays or things like that because of the relationship me and my dad had but like don't get it confused like when certain holidays would come around the grief that I may feel just strictly off of the idea or the fact that I'll never be able to have a Christmas with my dad because our relationship I felt like our relationship was going to get better you know when we finally did start talking again but now I have to, every holiday, I have to just think about what it could have been. And I don't think people think about little things like that. Like the things that people who are grieving feel, like the, the different feelings of grief or the different things that can bring on those heavy emotions of grief after the person has passed. Like just outside of actually grieving the loss of that person. All of the little things. As I said before, my dad owned a restaurant and he sold chicken. Some of the best chicken in the world, might I add. And if you know, you know. If you know, you know. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. A lot of people are not going to get to experience that. And that's what I'm saying. That's one of the things I grieve. I grieve that he wasn't able to kill it in New Orleans because he would have killed it. He would have killed it in New Orleans. French Quarter? If you if you know New Orleans, then you know. Like, I have to keep saying French Quarter like that because French Quarter? What, what New Orleans got? You got Essence Fest, Mardi Gras. Which one is there? Bayou Classic. You, you got, you know, all of these. New Orleans is just, you know, a tourist city. You know, it's a little festive little city. It's a festive little town. So, Man, like, he would have killed it. I grieve the fact that he didn't get to see his dreams fully come true. And he did it. He did it. There's a song by Frank Sinatra called My Way. And I will, I listen to that song sometimes, especially when I feel like I can't do something or, I, you know, I'm all in my head. I listen to that song because I feel like that song is him speaking to me in that moment. When, honestly, he would say a whole bunch of other stuff to me and it it, it wouldn't be PG. <laughs> but there were times as of lately, actually, this happened recently. And it was the first time this had happened. I ordered Wingstop and I ordered it, paid for it, went up there to get it. And I walked in and the smell, the smell because you have to understand, my dad used to pick me up and smell like straight up chicken. I mean, the whole car just smelled like chicken. He used to have me, you know, when I would go to Louisiana during the summer, I would be in that kitchen buttering toast. He used to have me in the kitchen just buttering toast. You know, he used to just, I used to just always be in the mix. He used to just always want me in the mix. He used to just always want me to see it, you know? And so just the smell of the chicken and Wingstop was it was too much for me it was too much and I, I left like I just it was too much for me in that moment and it caught me completely off guard because it hadn't happened before I eat chicken all the time <laughs> I eat chicken all the time so that had never happened before so you know that was new that was new for me and it, it almost knocked me off my feet but because I went through a lot of the things that I went through during my, you know, grieving process, you know, I can feel these emotions and they come and they go and I'm able to handle them a lot better. And I'm able to handle them 
in a way that will benefit me. I no longer handle my trauma in ways that will harm me in the future. You know what I mean? And although I'm just trying to do my best right here in this moment, I ain't thinking about six months from now, right? I'm just trying to do my best right now. Six months from now do not matter to me. I don't know six months from now. (laughs) I know right now this second. I don't even know the next five minutes. I'm just trying to get through right now. You still have to take care of you, okay? Your choices and your decisions can't be harmful to you. I was doing a lot of things and I made a lot of choices that were harmful to me. And that's why I am now. You know, I had a point where when I finally was able to push through and I finally was able to get up, it was almost like, you know, in those movies when a person just stand up and they look around them and they kind of like, how the hell did we get here? Like, you know, when the smoke clears and you kind of back in your right mind and you just look around and you're like, when the hell did I? When the hell did it? When the hell did we get here? Like, when did all this happen? Where was I at? You was you was doing it. That's that's why you're here. <laughs> but when you know you're in the midst of chaos and and you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to handle what you what you're dealing with. You don't know how to handle what's been now put on your plate. And it's almost like, you know, sometimes life puts something on your plate. You know, I can't cuss y'all. And I, I I think I just did a few minutes ago, but oh, it's okay. And now you you feel like you gotta eat it. With a smile on your face. That's that's kind of what grief feels like, especially when you don't know what you're doing. That's what any hardship in life can feel like sometimes. Is life is just giving you a whole bunch of BS and you're forced to eat it with a smile on your face. Or that's what people expect. And I chose to not do that because I think also going back to my relationships with family, I felt like a lot of the women in my life, like going back to them just being stoic. Just because they're, you know, women who don't show emotion, that don't mean they don't have emotion. You, they suppress that emotion. And so while I'm not, I, I take, I, I, you know, I took a lot of that from them. I'm also the first person, you know, just when it comes to a generational type of thing, going from my grandmother down to me, I feel like I am the first one out of us to actually feel my feelings openly and loudly and express my emotions. And when I'm hurt, you're going to be able to tell. When I'm hurt, I'm going to cry. When I'm, when I'm hurt, I'm going to be passionate about that pain. And a lot of that may come from my dad because that's the type of person that he was. It's, it's hard being that when their entire lives, they have been the complete opposite of that. So sometimes it can seem like they see you showing emotion as weak. And it don't matter. It's not that they can't, you know, it's, it's almost like they just can't put the pieces of the puzzle together. They can't, it's, it's like their brain can't put it all together. It's, it's, it's not a matter of them not understanding what you've been through. Them, it's not a matter of, it wasn't a matter of them not understanding that I had just lost uh, my dad. So suddenly and so traumatic, you know, it wasn't a matter of that. It was a matter of in their minds, I don't think they had ever been given the space or the time to feel their feelings. My mother was a single mom. So I know she dealt with some, you know, with some BS. I know life put BS on her plate, but she did have to eat it with a smile on her face. She had a choice. But when you got a child and it's just you, you don't have time. To sit, you know, sit in your your sorrows and and all of that. You got to keep pushing because you got a baby that need to eat, a baby that need clothes, a baby that got to get to school. My mom and my grandmother, there there was no no time to sit and be depressed, you know, and, and, and let all of that take over them. To where they could no longer handle their responsibilities as a a mother. There was no time for any of that. So I think when it came to me, it was like, what is she doing? She is letting this grief and this depression completely consume her. And one thing that my grandmother told me, which is very true, you know, she was like, your dad made his own decisions. And he did. I'd be the first to tell you. What happened to my dad, I don't think it was a matter of something random, you know? I think something happened prior to that. He for sure, the the person who killed him knew him for a fact. Something had happened, you know? And so 
she was explaining to me like, you know, your dad lived his life. You know, he made his decision and his choices. You can't let that consume you and stop you from living yours. But my plea to them was always, can you just let me learn my lesson? I think sometimes, you know, the elders in your life, you know, your mom, your grandparents, whatever, they love you so much that sometimes they think they know what's best for you. They want to be God in your life, (laughs) you know, and that was so frustrating for me because I just used to be like, you know, like just let me learn my lessons like I'm learning. Like, you know, let me get through it how I'm getting through it. You can't tell me how to grieve, you know, and I think a lot of that was just them not having the space. And so I found myself I found not even I found myself. I found God forcing me to have this perspective and I didn't want to have it. I wanted to stay in the position of, no, I don't, I shouldn't have to do any of that because I'm the one that's going through it. I shouldn't have to explain to anybody what I'm feeling. I shouldn't have to explain to anybody what I need. I wanted to stay there, right? But staying there was not helpful to me because staying there resulted in me holding grudges towards people and having resentment towards people that I love. So God forced me to look at these people for who I know them to be. They love me. They care about me. But because grief is not talked about often, I also think, you know, that plays a part in it. But I'm going to tell you this. Those of you that are grieving, those of you that are trying to find your way out, that person in your life that's pushing you, thank them. Be thankful for them. That person that is pushing you and that is trying to tell you, like, look, I got you. And, you know, like, I got you, but I need you to go. You know, this person telling you, like, look, man, you you can't give up. You got too much potential. You know, somebody that's going to speak life into you. And you know what? If you don't have nobody to do it, I'm going to do it for you. Get up. I'm going to tell you, whoo, I'm getting emotional. Because I'm going to tell you what I would tell myself at that time. Because that was a really rough time, okay? And if I'm speaking to anybody that is in the, that you, you feel like you're in a pit of hell. Because that's what, that's what it feel like. Oh, I almost cussed. Y'all almost got me again. <laughs> but that's what it feel like. And this episode may be all over the place, but this is how I'm going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap this one up. Get up. Get up. You are loved. You are not alone. You are resilient. You don't have to be strong right now. You just got to get up. And you just got to continue to take it one day at a time. But you can't keep doing things that are harmful to you. You can't keep thinking in ways that don't benefit you. You are capable of getting up. You don't know it or, you know, your mind isn't able to go there right now, but you've made it through things that are tough before. And I know that this is different. I know that this hurts. I know it hurts. And I know it's scary. And I know continuing to do what's harmful to you is comforting. But you got to get up and you got to push yourself because you deserve more than what life has given you. And it's not fair. You didn't deserve this, but you got to get up. There is so much life for you on the other side of this pain. There is so much purpose and power on the other side of this pain that you are experiencing. Do the best that you can, but nobody is going to make you do anything. The choice to persevere through this, the choice to push through this, it can only come from you. And only you. I'm proud of you. And I want you to know that even if during this time trying to navigate this pain that you're trying to navigate, you've probably gotten into some situations and, you know, you probably made some mistakes and done some things that you're not very proud of. But I want to let you know that you have to trust that God is God. He is powerful enough to redirect you after making a mistake or the wrong choice. You know, you you have to trust that. This episode, y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not that proud of. 
but I hope that I said something that connected with someone who's experiencing grief, who has experienced grief, or who knows somebody that's experiencing grief. You know, my dad used to make me write essays on Black history during the summertime. I remember the first time I watched the Emmett Till documentary, way before they started making movies on it and stuff now. I remember that. I was like in elementary school, and my daddy introduced me to Strange Fruit, the song, and the meaning of it. I I remember these things. I remember my dad making me sit and watch Farrakhan videos. I remember these things and I'm so I'm I'm just so blessed and I'm so thankful that I was able to have that that I was able to have those principles, you know, instilled in me. Because a lot of those, uh, you know, a lot of those principles that he instilled in me is the only reason why I'm doing this stuff like this. The only reason why I have interests, some of the interests that I have now, the only reason why I have some of the passions that I have now. It's like sometimes I think about the way that I think about certain things and I think about the things that interest me and the things I'm passionate about and I say, wow, I really am Richard Washington's daughter. <laughs> you know, I, I grieve the things that he will miss. And for a while, I, I was unmotivated because of that. I was unmotivated with my business because that was something we bonded over. You know, and I was, I was unmotivated because if he wasn't here to see my success with it, then it, it meant nothing to me. The woman that I am today, I, you know, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today had um, he still been here. And, you know, sometimes I, you know, when I'm praying and I'm talking to God, I'm like, God, you know, I heard a pastor put it like this one time. You know, you sometimes you just want to ask God, did it take all that? You know, like, I know you wanted to do all these great things in my life and you wanted to do all these great things within me. But did it really take all that? Like, did you have to put me through all of that to get me here? And clearly, God's answer is yes, because so much, so much has changed in me, and I'm grateful for that. And so some of those things alone helped me to persevere through my grief. There are some of you, and um, I'm praying for anybody out there who has lost someone. There are people out there who have lost children. There are people out there who have lost significant others, and parents and best friends and I know what a, I know what some of that is like I know what it feels like to almost lose your best friend I know what it feels like to lose your a parent there are you know also some losses that I have not experienced that people close to me have experienced that I I, I have no clue what that feels like I have no clue what it feels like to lose a grandmother not like you know I know I've lost my great-grandmother, but, like, I have no clue what it feels like to lose a grandmother. Like, one of my parents' mothers. I have no idea what that feels like, and I can't imagine. I, literally, I can't imagine. I literally can't imagine. <laughs> and so my heart goes out to anybody that's lost somebody, anybody that missed somebody. It's different to miss somebody that you'll never be able to see or talk to again. That's different. So my heart goes out to you because you're resilient and you're persevering even when you feel like you're not. I don't know why I thought this episode wasn't going to be able to be that long. I mean, it wasn't going to be that long like the last one because the last one was pretty long. And I hope that this episode connected with someone. Next uh, week, y'all, I promise we're going to talk about something. We're going to have to up the spirits around here because this we went heavy real fast. You know, like... We went heavy. We're like, it's only the second date. Like, I'm only, I, I barely know y'all like that. Like, you know, it's, it's only the second time I'm meeting. It's only my second time talking to you. Like, what was that um, that video of Uzi? And he was like, <laughs> I guess somebody was asking him, like, how was it? And then he was like, I don't know. It's only my third day out here. He said something like that. That's how I feel. I feel like I just unleashed on y'all and it's only our second day interacting. Like, you know, we don't really know each other like that, but we done got real, we done got real acquainted now. So we family now, so we cousins now. So, you know, we're gonna push on through. And I and I'm not recording another one of these episodes. So y'all gonna get this one exactly how it is. I talked to myself out of this four times. Three times. Y'all almost didn't get it. 
So don't say I never gave you nothing, okay? <laughs> I'm proud of you for pushing through. And that's to any and everybody. Really focused on trying to build community with this podcast, just, you know, outside of social media. We got a ways to go with this. And I'm so glad and, and honored that, you know, you guys will be here to see this grow and it, you'll grow with me because we cousins now, right? We, we family. We, so this is a safe space. So, so we can talk how we want to talk. All right, cool. I just had to make sure. So, yeah, y'all follow the podcast on Instagram to keep up with everything. And as always, next Wednesday, make sure you tune in 7 p.m. The Below the Belt podcast. I'll talk to y'all then.